0: Well, folks, here we are in the back streets of Arana Hills. Uh, you can see the houses, and nestled in amongst the houses um, is uh, Arana Hills United Church. And I'm actually sort of in the foyer here. This is the front door. And this was the Clark family church growing up. And amongst the many uh, vivid memories I have of this place, there's like a, rit- a ritual that repeated itself every Sunday morning um, that as I went on I recognised some of the significance of what was being imprinted in me Um, like a lot of churches maybe some of you grew up in churches like this the end of the service would be signalled by us singing a a benediction or the the threefold amen, 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 Amen something like that and then as we stood the minister and his wife would process out through the middle of the church because it's like a Um, pastors and ministers are very important regal type people, we all understand that. And so they would come out and be waiting at the back door. Um, And then the ritual for me was to try and get out as quickly as possible for all sorts of reasons, mostly to try and grab the ginger nut biscuits before they all went out here in the afternoon tea area through there. So you had to be quick Uh, back in those days. You'd appreciate the prize and the pull of the ginger nut biscuit. Regardless of how quick I was, I would usually always be beaten to the back door, to this spot here, by um, Basil Blake. Now, um, Reverend Blake was a retired minister. When I was 10 or 11, I'm sure he was about 145. He had seen a lot of life, Um, but regardless of how frail and old he looked, even when I was young, um, he would somehow get to that back door. And be there to greet people as well. I guess it was part of He was such an in-ground rhythm for him to do that as well uh, through years of, of ministry. But one of the things uh, that became a bit like a rite of passage, it was well known amongst Arana Hills, that when you're in year 12, your final year, back in the day, a lot of you will remember this too, um, your, your final mark, your, they call it ATAR, I think, these days, um, your, your TE score, your tertiary entrance score, would be published in the Courier-Mail. Um, unless there was a good reason you didn't want to publish, and um, Reverend Reverend Blake, Basil Blake, would make it his business every year to he would know all of the names of the young people who were finishing, and on the Sunday of the year that of the week that that got um, published, he would be at the back door, or he would find you and seek you out and say, "Well done, Graham. I, I saw you got a score of whatever it was." congratulations you must be so proud and just really spend time with incredible specificity and it was a bit of a a bit of a running running gag amongst you know the the young people either the church that's kind of you couldn't really finish school until um, until mr. Blake had given you like a papal blessing Um, was a bit of a joke but I realized something very significant was imprinted by that and the way in which uh, mr. Blake would reach out across generations he would always you know, he'd know your name, he would he would know what's going on, he'd ask you questions. And I realised, um, in me, was being formed this picture of this is what it looks like to be a family. This, these yokes of, of fellowship, of being one. Where, when you've got generations reaching down in humility and reaching down um, with care and with love to bless. I mean... Mm-hmm. Reverend Blake Blake had lived a life of serving people. He probably had every right to expect that maybe at his age the younger generation should be coming to him and giving respect uh, where it was due, because it was due. But he thought it was far more important to step out and to take the opportunity wherever he could um, to encourage and to bless. And I think that's just a magnificent thing. I reckon we've all got Basil Blakes in our life, uh, in maybe the church you grew up. Uh, maybe your family I I wonder if we just take a moment to um, to pause and press pause on the video here maybe discuss the Basil Blakes in your life tell those stories let's remember them and then actually let's thank God for them because I thank God for Basil Blake Um, I thank God for the the Basil Blakes at Cornerstone who do that and as we do that let's maybe think about how we can be the Basil Blakes to the emerging generation because everybody can reach down Uh, generationally in humility in love to bless and when when we see that actually our role as we've journeyed through life is to make way for others to come with us we create an environment that becomes very rich generationally Um, and again I think it's God's plan this is why he wants us to understand the body of Christ as a family as God's family so let's just take a moment to do that I um, just being here is very brings back lots and lots of good memories. I didn't always get the ginger nut biscuits. You'll be surprised to know. Um, there was a couple of young people in particular a lot quicker than I were. Um, but yeah, let's let's take a moment now to pause, to thank God, and to think how we can be Basil Blakes to uh, the others in our, in our community. Our little tour of the northwest suburbs of Brisbane has brought us to perhaps a surprising place. McDonald's. This specific McDonald's is at Brookside, Mitchelton, Um, but it's really representative of McDonald's all over the place and not just McDonald's but Hungry Jack's, KFC, Coffee Club, um, individual coffee shops, places where people gather and on the other side of your table um, you talk about um, as I know in these places some of the uh, the biggest fears the uh, most exciting opportunities have been shared, some of the deepest pain and the greatest joy. You have those kind of conversations. The kind of conversation that you have when someone rings up and says, Hey, can we have a coffee? And you know that the subject is not going to be about how good the single origin Ethiopian is, but actually about what's going on in people's lives. Um, when we have those kind of relationships, when we're yoked to each other, that we're able to talk about the the depth and the reality of people's lives. Um, we've got something very, very special happening there. Um, and I know for me, I came to McDonald's because there was a season in my life when I was a youth pastor, um, where I would, I would really love the opportunity of picking up um, some young people after school or before a sporting event, or after might have been a church event we'd done, and coming and just over a burger and a milkshake, talking about life and um, uh, I, I actually I, I would do that regularly I, I later discovered um, down the track in, in much the same way that there was like an in conversation about uh, Basil Blake and and everyone kind of had this knowledge that he would do this thing uh, with the T score there was a similar conversation about me um, you see I would particularly come to places like this every now and then I'd have it the kind of conversation with one of our young people, there was a bit of an adjustment conversation perhaps. I was suggesting there might be a better way to do something or to say something. Sometimes I was put up to it by some parents as well, Um, but a difficult conversation. And so I often found places like this, where it was just a little bit more relaxed, a little less intimidating, would be a good context for that kind of conversation. So that would be regularly my pattern I was to discover that years down the track, again, this secret conversation that went a little bit something like, hey look, if Clarkie gives you a call and wants to take you to McDonald's, maybe don't get too excited until you know what it's actually going to be about. Um, So there you go, we're always a little bit more transparent than we'd we'd like to think. But moving aside how much eternal work gets done in the great ministry centre of McDonald's right round the world by youth pastors. why why don't you just pause in a moment and reflect on those one-on-one relationships with the people that you have like I said I've I've been on both sides of the table in places like this where mentors or leaders have spoken into my life or I've shared joys fears opportunities um, pain thank God that literally that it's his idea that we walk through life with that kind of relationship and um, why don't we spend a moment, press pause, and talk about who those people have been, the kind of conversations you, you share as much or as, as little as you want, but the kind of relationships that lead you to have those kind of conversations. And then um, maybe ask God in, in your prayer time, together or separately, if there's, if, if He's putting on your heart someone for you in this season to invite out for a coffee, to speak life into, to encourage, uh, if in that prayer time you get a list of five people who you need to go and tell a hard truth to, I think you might have missed the point. Well, Cornerstone, I have brought you to uh, the streets of Anogra on our little tour of Northwest Suburbs. And um, the house behind you here um, used to be the home of the Clarks, as in the Clark Juniors, Christy and I and a little bundle of joy called Jonah, who was had only just been born and we lived in this house for a number of years and many, many wonderful, wonderful memories. But one thing in particular um, I wanted to talk about was a a ritual, it was a season of our life uh, where we got into a bit of a rhythm where every Thursday morning we would invite um, basically a bunch of of the older youth and young adults would come around to our place. Early Thursday morning, Christy would cook pancakes. uh, She had a special recipe that I still have not been able to nail. Um, But we would have pancakes and we would sit up on that deck up there, the owner's up there, I I check with him, he's okay with us filming this. But we'd sit up on that deck and um, we would uh, share pancakes and journal together. Now journaling, if you've not done that before, it's really where we would, like a lot of us are are going through a regular reading plan. And um, whatever the reading was for the day, we would open it up and we would read it out and then spend some, some time in silence just writing down, journaling observations of what we felt like it was saying, what God was doing in the time, but also what God, what that meant for us now. And then as we passed around the pancakes and the syrup and the orange juice, we just shared um, about what we felt like God was saying to us. And it was a time for for all of us where it was um, <clears throat> lots of significant things happening. We were just new parents. Um, there was, in amongst the group, there were relationships that were heading towards marriage. There were sort of uh, senses of direction that were heading towards calling and ministry and um, uh, careers and things like that. And so it was a very potent time. It was a very rich time. And it was always exciting, the sense of expectation that as not only were we meeting together, but meeting with God. Um, And I think those environments are really pregnant with the possibility when you have people who come intentionally connect with each other but putting god at the middle um, and saying speak to us speak to us and it was always exciting not just to see what came out directly from scripture which was great but actually what you would hear through each other um and i'm i'm sure you've maybe been a part of those kind of times let's spend some moments now maybe where you can tell a story or two when you've been a part of whether it was for a long time or a season a life group, or a group of friends, or or a Bible study, or whatever it was, an accountability group, but that had intention to it. I know the spontaneous things that happen where God speaks through people are wonderful, but there's a sense of intentionality where each week we would meet up there, and meet with each other, that horizontal connection yoke, but also in the midst of that, expecting God to use those relationships to speak to us and shape and form us. Um, so why don't you maybe pause and discuss? stories that you've got like that um and then i also encourage you particularly if you're meeting in a life group or a group um like that to pray that your group would be like that in this season because this is a very significant time this is a time that's pregnant with potential that god wants to speak into and use our relationships with each other to do that um so if you're in groups why don't you pray that your group might be that might be that kind of group for each other um, and pray that our church might be that for each other as well. Um, so there you go, there's where the Clarks used to live so many years ago, there's a great pool at the back. It was fantastic. Um, I'm gonna go and have a bit of a tour around, a bit of a trip down uh, memory lane. Why don't you pause and then come back on the other side of this. We've got a couple of final thoughts. Well, Cornerstone, thanks for coming on my little tour of the northwest suburbs, little tour down memory lane for me there. I think you might have noticed uh, the common thread through all three of my little vignettes there. Um, the action in each one of those stories uh, never took place in a in a formal church service. Um, it actually never took place in the four walls of a church building, which is not to say those things aren't important and have their place. In fact, they do, but it's significant because um, this corona Um, experience we're all going through has taken from us those things we've had to discover as a church, rediscover. So what is possible when um, when we're not able to meet together as we have for so long, when we take for granted that the the shape of our gathering together, our horizontal yoke will be shaped by a church service and a church building that's been moved away Um, and we've I think there's been a gift to that we've realized that actually hey it never really depended on that anyway i think we knew it but we're discovering it afresh but the third thing is the one i really want to highlight as we finish this morning that is that none of those stories would have happened if someone or a group of someone's weren't being highly intentional about maintaining about valuing about prioritizing that horizontal yoke. Actually, even more about seeing their horizontal relationships with brothers and sisters in the community of Christ as an expression of their vertical relationship. I was actually thinking um, the ripple effect of those few someones in my life. Um, if If they weren't intentional, if you took that away, the domino effect or ripple effect of that over the years is massive. Let alone now add to that the, the stories that have been triggered in your mind, as you've reflected, and then add to that the stories that you've heard uh, being shared if you've been in a group, all because people were intentional. And again, I, I, as much as we are discovering a new yoke, a new rhythm, um, that we can't rely on the old ways of meeting together, I think that's an entirely healthy thing. It maybe is also exposed and need to be even more intentional Uh, about this relationship these relationships the writer of the book of Hebrews exhorts the the early church to not give up the practice not give up the habit of meeting together can you hear the intentionality in that interestingly he's not saying um, don't give up the ways that you're meeting together Um, as much as we would like to think that um, this disruption that we are going to going through at the moment is unprecedented In historic, there's truth to that. Consider the early church in which the writer of the book of Hebrews was spoken into. I mean, this was a church that was still being formed, that um, was under persecution. The change that they were experiencing believers in that time, and yet the writer says, even in that context, because of that context, don't give up the habit. Friends, I just wonder as we finish this morning, as we've been looking at how we value and prioritize The yoke of relationship, that it's an easy yoke, that it's a good yoke, um, that we might in your groups, if you've got time to do this now, um, to just spend a few moments. Because I I really believe, I've been praying and believing that, um, that God increasingly uses these relationships we've got to do significant things in each other, to speak through us. And uh, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe, as do many churches, not just Pentecostal churches, but we really believe in the power of the Spirit, that when we come and gather together and avail ourselves for God to use us, words can be spoken that bring life, that bring health, that um, that can God can use to change destinies. Um, I'm, the, I'm the product of that. And so I encourage you to just take a moment to consider those who you're gathering with and just ask that God might give you something that's going to be encouraging and affirming to speak into all of you as a group or maybe individually Um, you know let's just see what god does some of us have known each other for a long time some of us are very new we've got new people coming into the church all the time which is wonderful let's just spend a moment to really not just prioritize the earthly dimension of our relationship with other but draw god through his spirit into that as well and just see what god what God does in that moment so bless you this morning uh, we thank you for your time I hope this has stimulated good conversation and don't forget tonight if you're watching this on Sunday come together Holy Spirit encounter we're going to be gathering 6 30 at the church you're welcome to come uh, to that for a time of worship be blessed have a good morning